I'll be taking my scripture from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew 11. We're going to start at verse 7. Just previous to this verse, disciples of John had come to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah. And he gave them some suggestions to share with John. And so in verse 7, it says, As they departed, this is that group that he sent back to John to share. As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And for the days, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I've been um, writing letters of recommendation for seniors, and uh, we, I have to ask for them to give me information so I can write a, a glowing letter for them. For some, it's very easy to do. And for some, it takes a little extra work. But I read through this, and I was, I was very impressed with this glowing recommendation for John the Baptist. Uh, I, I, I would love for Jesus to speak highly of me like that, wouldn't you? Uh, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, isn't he? Uh, what is he saying about us tonight? I, mean, I begin to wonder... I would pray that um, we do our part. But then he says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus takes a turn here. A glowing recommendation for John the Baptist. But now uh, his tone changes. I'll read the next three verses. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children." Not so glowing, was it? Jesus was speaking of the religious leaders and how they uh, were making up their own rules 
They're trying to tell people how to do this and that. And uh, if they weren't following that, then there was a there was a problem. There was an issue, and they were judgmental of John and and Jesus. And no matter what either one of them did, it was wrong. Uh, there there was no way to uh, appease them. Uh, what, what's interesting is in their accusations, it says that he was a friend. Of sinners and publicans. Well, in their own accusation, it's a paradox, don't you think? Because in their accusation, it proves that he's even their friend. They don't want to admit that, but he's even been a friend to them. Jesus was, as they say, a straight shooter. He didn't beat around the bush. He, if he had something to say. And he was going to say exactly what needed to be said. Jesus didn't mince words. And he's that way today. I don't know if, if, if I would have ever felt conviction if he wasn't a straight shooter. I would have found some way to get out of it. If he, he won't give us a way out of, out of things. He, he, he's going to point right to it. He's going to put his finger on it. And there's no way around it. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, we know exactly where we stand with the Lord. Uh, there can never be a doubt. Conviction. It's a good thing. Uh, when we're, when we're a, a child of God, he still checks us. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, that that's important. Uh, in this situation, we find uh, he's he's uh, letting the religious leaders know that th- th- you get a get a problem. Uh, and uh, he finishes. Wisdom is justified of her children. Uh, your sins will find you out, and I'll be there for you. Uh, Jesus was there for everyone. Whether they were going to speak highly of him or not, uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, but he didn't stop here. Move on to verse 20. Then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Tyre and Sidon was a Gentile area north of Israel. Pagan beliefs. Yet he's saying if he would have done the mighty works there, they would have repented. Well, what did he do there in Bethsaida? Let's take a, I'm going to turn to Luke 9. Verse 10. I don't want to read the whole thing, but you'll get the idea. And the apostles, when they returned, told him all that they had done, and he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. 
And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals, for we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And this is the five loaves and two fishes. He feeds 5,000 in this area with five loaves and two fishes. How about Mark 8, verse 22? Mark 8, 22. And he, and he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Wouldn't repent. Filled their bellies that they wouldn't repent that their souls could be saved. Sad, sad case, isn't it? He didn't stop there. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven and shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which were done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. We all know about Sodom. Well, what happened in Capernaum? Let's turn back just a couple of chapters to chapter 8 in Matthew. Chapter 8, starting at verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And I'll just go down a little farther. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to him that followed, to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when, verse 14, And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her, and her, the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. So we find that many were healed in Capernaum. We find in Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 21, 121, And they went to Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Out there come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. 
And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Go down to 28. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Everyone knew. Capernaum. In fact, if you go to Luke 4, Jesus is speaking to those in his own town. And he said unto them, Luke 4, verse 23, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever ye have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. So everyone knew what happened in Capernaum. In fact, you even find several places where people would travel to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which, were, which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Things had to get, be getting uncomfortable, don't you think? In this multitude... Jesus was really pointing some things out that, that were difficult to hear. And let's face it, uh, I know when I felt conviction, it was not easy to hear or feel. And we have to come to a point where we humble ourselves. There's no way around it. You can't excuse yourself. You have to humble yourself. Aren't you thankful this doesn't stop here? What if this was the end of the book? We had to close it and we're done. Aren't you glad? Next verse, Jesus starts a beautiful prayer. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. So the wise and the prudent, those are the religious leaders. And all these things have been hidden from them. And Jesus wasn't thankful that they were hidden from them. He was thankful that they'd been revealed to babes, babes being the disciples and those in the multitude that were listening. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. The call was coming. Jesus was now setting everyone up for something beautiful. Conviction you can say, was applied to the religious leaders and to the multitude and to anyone from any of those cities that were, that were mentioned. The question is, what was their response going to be? And that's where we need to lay this at our own feet. What would our response, what should our response be? 
when we have conviction uh, brought to us? What will our response be if the Lord checks us and chastens us for something that we need to uh, make right? What will our response be when God is calling something out of our life that is in the way? We heard this morning about the rich young ruler. Did he humble himself? He went away sorrowful. When the Lord puts his finger on you, or me, the only way we leave rejoicing is submission. You don't put it off. You'll be miserable. You you can't explain it away. You can't make excuse. As they say, the Lord has you right where he wants you. And honestly, he has you where we want. He has us where we want us. Right where we need to be. When a person retreats from God's call, whether it's condemnation, conviction, chastening, whatever it might be, commitment, you're retreating from his love, you're retreating from his will, and you're retreating from his plan. How can any of that be any good? Where's the good in that? Jesus is not concerned about our feelings. If he did, we'd never be con- feel conviction. You'd never be chastened, you'd never be checked, and you'd never, be, you'd never have a call in your life to give something up. The world today would tell you that your feelings is all that should matter. I don't get me started. We need to have a crisis experience. We need to have a point where we have to make a decision. We have to come to a place where we get our feelings hurt so we can understand the truth in our own heart. And in our own life. He's more concerned about releasing us from our guilt. He's more concerned about breaking the bonds of sin in our life. He's more concerned about us having a relationship with a holy God. He's more concerned with us being fully submitted and consecrated in his service. That's what he's concerned about. He's concerned about us not our feelings. Jesus finally turns to these that are listening after this prayer. And we hear one of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible. We actually heard the scripture in the song, last special. Come unto me. See, he didn't leave them hanging. He didn't leave them miserable. He didn't leave them wondering. What should I do? Where do I go? He said, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. 
for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come. Come. That's the answer. You feel burdened? You feel conviction? You feel like you need to give something to the Lord? Come. Don't wait. Don't reconsider. Don't put it off. Come. Jesus is calling tonight. He's calling sinners to come home. He's calling believers to a closer walk with Him. Come be be sanctified tonight. Come receive the Holy Ghost tonight. Come answer the call that God's put on your heart and your life. Come give the Lord something He's asking for. Come. The song is 615.